Greetings and welcome to the podcast for the Diversity Action Team at the University of Dayton in the Division of Student Development. The following session has been recorded for the personal and professional development of staff within the Division of Student Development at the University of Dayton. If you have any questions, please email dat at udayton.edu. Again, that's dat at udayton.edu. Welcome to Fall 2020 at the University of Dayton with the Diversity Action Team for the Division of Student Development. It's a pleasure to rejoin with our colleagues and to conversations. The Diversity Action Team has been working to think of ways that we can support one another as colleagues and to address some of the areas that are very unprecedented in um, our path forward. And so today I am pleased and very honored to have some of our colleagues with us. I'm going to ask each of them to give you a short greeting um, and what areas they're representing. And if they don't mind just sharing a little bit about some of the work, if you've been doing some of the work this summer to help prepare us in our campus with um, some of the changes that COVID-19 has brought to our campus. So my name again is Merida Allen, and I serve as Associate Dean of Students and Executive Director for the Multi-Ethnic Education and Engagement Center. And I'd like to ask my colleagues to shortly introduce themselves and a little bit about not all on campus, but some of the work that they have done providing leadership um, to our, our entire campus community around preparation for and support for each other and for our students during this era of COVID-19 particularly. So we will start with our Associate Vice President, Dean of Students, Chris Schramm. Thanks, Merida, and congratulations to you on your promotion, well-deserved. Thank you. Um, yes, I'm Chris Ram. I'm the Associate Vice President and Dean of Students. Um, I have been working diligently as a co-chair with Steve Herndon in um, sharing the Path Forward Student Life Group. Uh, these folks um, across campus have been working diligently thinking about planning around the safety and the health of our students coming back to campus in a COVID landscape. So all the details from student organizations to living in a residence hall to uh, dining in our facilities um, or um, in their rooms. Uh, it's certainly been an effort like I have never experienced before in my 30 plus years in higher education. Um, just when you think you can say you've seen it all, um, there's a pandemic. So I appreciate being part of this conversation. Thanks for asking me. I certainly um, am challenged by the notion uh, around um, how we best provide 
the kind of expertise we have for students um, in this COVID landscape and with our financial constraints. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for making time for us, for our listeners. We know this is a very busy time for all of us on campus. Next, I would like to ask Melissa Longino, our Assistant Vice President, if you would introduce yourself. Absolutely. Um, and thank you. Um, so uh, my name is Melissa Longino and I am the Assistant Vice President for Health and Wellbeing and Executive Director of Campus Recreation. Uh, similar to Chris, it has been a, a fascinating summer um, of developing plans and procedures and adapting and trying to get the lay of the landscape and every time you do you have to be able to be fluid and shift to the next thing or whatever is occurring um so there's a variety of different path forward groups that i've been working with um specifically co-chairing the athletics and uh campus recreation a working group um also chairing the student support services really looking at that interface of all of the various um uh, units across campus that are tasked with providing direct support for students. And so what is that going to look like this coming fall uh, with the aspect or advent of remote working or uh, tele um, engagement with students? And so how do we do this when we know that we just are in the midst of, as Chris mentioned, a pandemic um, that has affected individuals, families, um, friends, people becoming ill, people losing their jobs or their livelihoods. We also are in the midst of um, very, very uh, prominent racial injustices. And so all of these things are impacting our students and the, and the levels of support that they're going to need. And yet we're not quite sure what all of that will look like and, and know that that's going to evolve on a daily basis. Um, and so as we're walking into this, you know, I think about the fact that um, I'd have a conversation with someone talking about the Healthy Minds study that we did and all the data that came back and how that really is not valid anymore um, at all. And so it's not even something that we can use to be able to predict what our students are experiencing or how it's impacting them. And so how we wrap our, our minds conceptually around what to best do to support students is, is very interesting um, in, this, in, this, in this fluid dynamic. So I appreciate the opportunity to um, engage in this conversation today um, and look forward to uh, this robust conversation. Appreciate it, Melissa. I agree that uh, we are re resetting the data set in many ways on ways in which we're tracking engagement and learning and and even health. So it's, it's great that you would acknowledge that. And as well, another reason that we are grateful that you all are, are lending your voice to this conversation so that our colleagues know that we are walking together on this journey and we should not any of us feel that we are alone trying to navigate how do we best serve our campus and our roles. And Brian Turner, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself to our, our audience today. Hi, I'm Brian Turner. I'm the Technology Director for Student Development. Um, and our department um, unit over the course of the last three months has really shifted, like all technology groups on campus, to really provide outside of you know our normal um, technology support roles and, and system building and things we've really shifted to helping people think through how processes and workflows and things that they were doing in the office uh, 
shifted online. Um, we had a, there's a large majority of systems and processes that had already done that over the years. Um, but the number of things that we did in person that still needed to happen without in-person contact is, is still pretty large. And so we have spent and continue to, I'm sure, well, this whole semester, helping folks think through and build out new ways to do that. Some of it has been with new systems, some of it has been with existing systems, um, and that's happening all across campus. It's happened on, um, as you can believe, on the academic side, they've had, uh, you know, Isidore's been around forever, um, but there's still some folks who didn't use it or some folks who really needed to move some classes into it. So our colleagues over on the academic side have been trying to figure that out. Um, we've had lots of conversation about what, in place or physical meetings will look like now since we don't uh, we won't be meeting in Kennedy Union anymore right so how do we take these things where sometimes we needed a physical presence you can't move it off to zoom immediately um, those same kind of challenges that they're having on the classroom side we're going to have uh, on the staff side as well so most of our work really is going to continue there it's going to focus on how do we keep business flowing and keep education and um, all the all the programs that we deliver to students um, and just move them online thank you so much that's something I, I think all of us can definitely appreciate the work that you and your team and all of information technology has done over the course of these past six months to keep us in not only supported but leading the way for us to really be able to continue to do do the work that we need to do to stay in contact with one another and, and with students particularly so on behalf of all of us thank you for your dedication to that and I think that's a great segue to kind of lend to some of our our thoughts here. And one of my first questions, you mentioned, Brian, the shifting and aligning of processes. And so I want to sort of rewind to a previous town hall that um, the path forward was first introduced by upper administration. And there was the concept of the university functioning in a way where resources will be allocated different, differently in the short term. And then thinking about long-term and financial sustainability, it will be an ongoing process of evaluation. And, and none of us have answers and um, should expect answers on what our, our fiscal relationships will look like with the institution. So we know that um, with some of that in mind, there will be different expectations for units and ways that we need to identify how we can best serve our students under these circumstances will shift a little bit. So Chris, I'm going to turn this question to you, if you don't mind. Can you share just from your lens what implications this may have for student development? So are there some divisional priorities that um, departments or staff may keep in mind when we're reframing our work for the academic year? And I know where you will start and say students are our, our priority and our focus, but are there things that you can highlight for us where we're thinking, how do we work under um, these circumstances where we, we don't have the fiscal means that we've had before? What are some ways that we can focus the energy that we do have with what we have? So I, uh, there's no question we can't have this conversation without just really kind of admiring the problem of COVID being a game changer. That uh, as uh, we don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know if this is going to be what pieces of the COVID um, uh, um, 
explosion will be um, pieces that we're going to have to continue to contend with in the future or once we get the kind of vac vaccinations that we need so desperately that we what what pieces will we be going back to normal so i, I think that there has to be a moment to to really under to, to to appreciate the magnitude of what coronavirus has done to the to um higher education so so with that said we need each other more now than ever. So as we've been sitting and talking as a cabinet, we continually, consistently go back to conversations around us going back to our teams. Although we are socially, although we are physically distanced, we cannot be socially distant. We need as a team to sit around in each one of our areas and we need to define what is important to us. We need to make those definitions in the Dean of Students Office, in the health and wellness area, in, in each one of our areas to sit down and say, as we facilitate these kind of learning opportunities in the out-of-classroom experience, for example, in CSI, what are, what's, our top, what's our top three, what's our top five? What are the things that we need to do to assure that we are facilitating and we are engaging in what our students, in our professional opinion, in what we're talking about strategically, in our strategic plan and our vision, what are those things that we need to do as a team? And that's where we begin to figure out the less is less conversation, and that's where we begin to figure out, we usually do this, we don't have to do this again. And, and those are the pieces that begin to kind of, I think, help develop a backbone or help develop our, vi our vision, our mission. Um, and that's where we take it back to the cabinet, we take it back to the leadership. And this is where we say, this is, this is so important to who we are and this is why. Sure. So that these conversations, um, one, bring us together, that are reliant on each other yeah. And that we can continue in the spirit in which I think the institution is asking us to. If this COVID has taught us one thing, we certainly know the importance of community at the University of Dayton. Our students can't wait to be back, could not wait to be back, are wondering why we have to wait. Um, because community and what we offer in the Division of Student Development is absolutely cornerstone to the success of the University of Dayton. So that is a, that's certainly a, a, a vote and a shout out, a confidence. But how can we manage those and articulate those without necessarily um, the kind of resources that we've had before? And that's just going to take us sitting around a table and hammering that out. And the best people to do that is us. So um, we cannot forget. So my last point is we cannot forget that we are an, um, a forward-facing, frontline organization to the institution. It, is put, it will put us in uncomfortable situations, whether that means physically with our masks and, and, and good, good attention to hand washing and all that stuff, when we know that um, when we are just beginning to learn the, how, this, um, how this disease is, is how contagious it is, um, but we're still at a point where we have to figure out how we can be there for students. And that might mean we're putting ourselves in a place where we are um, 
figuring out how students can connect and connect with us. Thank you so much for that. I think um, one of the points that you made really, I want to highlight and go back to what you said in the beginning. And it's something that I've been talking about in, in some of the spaces I've been in is you use the phrase physical, not social distancing. And I think that's something that we all need to remember is that we do have each other and we, our greatest strength is working together with one another. So I really appreciate you highlighting that and reminding us that we are not alone in trying to trying to figure out how to navigate each day and that there is a team of people who um, not only just for our own our own professional but personal mental and and emotional support there are ways in which we can seek some of that within our colleagues and that's one of the things that I do love the most about the University of Dayton and specifically the, the division of student development and so then there there is this train of thought of we still need some structure and some some areas um, still still are working through aligning and doing the shift to how do we produce and how do we move on this path forward um, so that we are we are making a way so that students are having a very rich still student experience and so Melissa and Brian, I'm going to turn to you a little bit. And I know that you were the leaders during our strategic plan 2022 um, planning and implementation process around goal six. And we all, in having a previous conversation preparing for today, <clears throat> thought that that is one of the areas that maybe we can revisit to think about how can we revisit what has already been outlined and, and going back to some of what we've already mentioned is our best laid plans have been altered, right? But there are still some very important and very valuable things within that plan that were within that goal that may be relevant. Can you speak a little bit about as in your leadership roles or in what you are familiar with working with, with goal six? And Melissa, I'll start with you a little bit. And so as we are position, positioned with campus resources, um, is there a way or is this a time that we can assess what we have in place? Or do you have any recommendations on how areas or how even individuals can do some assessment and, and look around um, what what they have capacity for in order to move forward with their work and as we prepare for this academic year. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Merida, I think that the, the piece that you've tied in, so right, so we know we have the confluence of providing student support, we've got the uh, limited resource environment that we're in, but we have to look at it from a human capacity aspect too. And so I think, you know, as Brian and I were leading the strategic goal six, that was all about how do we align our processes, our resources, um, and our infrastructure to prioritize, you know, a, a achievement of these strategic initiatives, but really kind of even boring down into the unit or department centric, um, uh, mission. And so I think that this is an opportunity to take stock of that. Um, you know, we can we can speak to it. We created some tools that people could use if they want the formality of a process um, in really looking at what their their uh, talent hours are. So their human talent, how many hours, what do they have? What does that look like? But I think a big piece of this is 
about stripping away to the basics of what the mission or the service is that needs to be rendered. And one of the things that I think, you know, a lot of this can be frustrating for us, um, you know, because everything is so fluid, as Chris mentioned, and every day brings about a new challenge. And so in being able to be fluid with this, one of the things that I think this also gives us this great opportunity to almost reimagine our work the delivery, um, apply some creative brushes. Um, in the past, when Brian and I were having conversations with the strategic group around this, a lot of it is um, people were seeking permission to no longer pursue or do certain things. And yet the second that you start to dig into the meat of that, people would bear down and say, but we don't want to let go of that. It's something that we have great pride in, or it was tremendously successful. And all of those things can be true. Um, but yet this is almost granting us the permission. And I think people need that to some extent. It's granting us the permission to say that we can change or we can shift and we can use this as a template to try. That's great. Um, we can see how it lands. We can see and maybe something that we didn't even envision lands better. As we talked about, the students of today are different. They're just inherently different from, from March, from last March. And so um, I think that that's one of the things that we want to continue to challenge people. You don't always need, I mean, finances are important, but we've got a lot of the resources and they're in our, in our, in the creativity, the talent, the knowledge that each of our, um, each of us within this division contain, and it's one of our strongest resources that we have. And so I think that this is a time to really bear down into digging into what we do have and how we can provide those services and letting go. I think that's a big piece. Let go of some of the things that we've been tied to or that we have found success in. And part of that is, um, you know, Chris and I've talked about before, like you have to mourn some of that. You have to mourn the fact that we're letting go of something that we knew was taking us during a certain path and be okay to say, I'm okay with the unknown and travel this new path um, and, and, and discover new aspects along the way. I love that. The acknowledgement that what is is not what was any longer and it's okay to, to, to grieve along that process. But also to look forward um, if, with the use of some resources of how ways that you can still continue towards working towards serving the mission. Brian, uh, speaking of mission, is there anything that you, uh, again, as sort of a code lead with Strategic Goal 6, anything else that you can impart on our audience that you'd like to Sure. I think one of the things that I realized early on in the, I'll say back in the spring when we all left campus um, was that just the way that we were prioritizing what needed to get done changed overnight, right? So we we all had plans. The, I'm looking at the strategic plan document and in that document, um, I haven't looked at every item, but I guarantee you there are 20 things there that we decided not to do right like we had to shift and the resources had to go and those being forced to engage in that thought process quickly to say okay what am i going to stop doing now and what am i going to start doing that has to be done was pretty difficult i'll say over the first few weeks um my team really struggled together like we would get on zoom and we would talk through 
but we were doing this. We were halfway through this project or we were, you know, we had these 12 things we planned to do this summer and all of a sudden we're not doing those anymore. So that, that shock, I think was, uh, it was tough at the beginning, but it also, now that we can reflect on it a little bit, we can look at it and say, um, we, it forced us to go through that exercise that Melissa was just describing where, what can we not do anymore? Um, I wouldn't choose to do that again um, and, and be forced to go through it. But I think it, we learned some good lessons from that. And, and I think going forward, that's going to help us um, as a team look at what's next as we shift our strategy and as we shift our priorities even further going into this fall semester. Um, honestly, we don't know what to expect, right? We, none of us have ever gone through um, a summer like this and um, this fall that's coming, we, we don't know. There's some great plans and people have um, done a whole lot of work this summer to make things, um, I guess, reduce the anxiety about what it's gonna look like, but none of us know. And so I think that's the piece that um, I think I would, I would say I would congratulate my colleagues on because as I look around the division um, and look to see where we were three months ago and where we are now, there's such drastic change in place that's happened and it's all been because of the hard work of student development staff. Um, sitting at home in front of your camera all day and making it happen is not easy. And um, I think the, the progress that we made should be um, praised. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal for this division to move where we have um, in, the, in this short time. Um, and I think we'll just continue to see where we go with it. Preach, Brian. Yay. Couldn't agree more. Same here. I think that is another great thing to acknowledge that just the, the physical toll that it has taken for um, the ways in which we were abruptly, our lives have all been abruptly um, just sort of inconvenienced in many ways and, and changed forever in, in other ways. And um, I think that is something that I've also just kind of like to focus on and shift and and things that we have thought about working in MEC is how can we keep each other supported and energized in this, in this environment? And so I appreciate the both of you touching on that specific resource that may be very useful to some who are just looking for how can I just keep myself accountable to um, my own goals and how can I look at some type of a structure that I can adapt and, and maybe look at what we had planned as a starting or a foundation for now what will we will plan to do or know that we are shifting towards something so that's very helpful but the next question i want to just kind of take a turn and talk a little bit about ways that we can support one another and so brian you really kind of led us into this in great ways can you all or have you thought about what are some of the ways you've been in spaces to help keep colleagues and yourself or your teams energized or encouraging self-care as we're all entering this week of fall arrivals beginning for for campus and we are going to be now shifting into what I feel would be another wave of working differently some are returning to campus more of our student facing areas will have more of a pre presence on campus and some of that will come with again the shifting of our own personal lives or the shifting of our own state of well-being and, and how we prepare ourselves to re-enter into the public realm so have you thought about that? Have those been conversations? Do you have anything you can share to 
help energize others or, or any tips for self-care or what are things that you've done to sort of prepare for this season of change yet again that we're experiencing? Well, the first tip is to put on uh, professional clothes again. So <laughs> I think that's a shift that many of us have to make. Um, no longer can you only have a Zoom top from the you know top up. Um, no, in, in all seriousness, um, I, I think that you know, there's there's a handful of things, um, and and there's there none of us have perfected what this looks like, right? Um, I think that you know, I, I want to speak to something that Brian talked about. If we look at this at this like macro, like huge level, it's overwhelming. And so some of the things that I have found the most successful with people is to focus. And when you have a targeted focus, so I'll use an example when. When, it, when we knew we had a start date for when the rec was gonna open, it gave us something to work towards and it was measurable, right? And I think that I've seen people do things like uh, create kind of month by month focus. This is what August is gonna look like, September and so on. And so I think that some of those things make this much more manageable. Um, we're in this place of like needing to be okay in the gray and not a lot of us are really good with that. So giving some space and grace for people to identify that and talk about that, um, checking in with one another is going to be mission critical. Um, you know, I think we really realized, you know, as Brian said, in our shifting and you guys have talked about, um, Merida, I think you mentioned this aspect of community and what we're really missing. We connected with one another pre-meetings in the small chat before and after a meeting and that's not existing anymore so we have to be very intentional about reaching out checking in with one another uh following up acknowledging some of you know those efforts especially if you're not seeing people face to face so i think that those are some of the ways um and then one of the other things i think is that we can acknowledge and encourage when people are doing exactly what they're being asked to do which is to monitor their own uh, symptoms and conditions and so i think we're all highly sensitized to this right now we're like I, I think that what I have right now might be an allergy or oh I've got this piece over here the best thing that we can do for each other is to provide that space and support and then applaud that a person was like well I think I just ate something bad it's bad food from last night but I'm not sure then the fact that we applaud and publicly acknowledge that that is an okay practice and beyond okay it is something that is a necessity right now to keep us all healthy and safe I think that those are some of the kinds of things that we can proactively um, embody absolutely I think that's great and I think that's great modeling for students as well as we're conversations with students uh, they will many of them will be living in such new environments and, and navigating um, their new home for however long um, you know that that takes place so it is it's great modeling for us to create that type of conversation with one another and, and sort of make it okay to talk about how uh, we're feeling about something whether physically mentally or emotionally and and being able to to practice those conversations so that we can have some of those with students as well. Brian or Chris, anything that you can share or would like to highlight? You know, I've been putting together remarks. You know, I'll have the opportunity to talk to, <laughs> excuse me, students and parents. And one of the things that I've been formulating in my head is, um, I think I want to tell people to stop. Stop putting this round um, a peg in a square hole, right, that, that this we are so working, we are working so hard 
with that. We were working so hard to push us to normal that it's causing so much anxiety. Yes. Right? Well, this is how we used to do it. This is how it was, or this is, this is, um, you know, I usually would meet with a student under these circumstances and that this, our old normal is not in a, is not in, in a direct opposition to our new normal. So how do we take a deep breath and say, I'm going to stop. I get it. It's the gold standard, right? I get it that that's where we want to go, but how can we take a deep breath and stop and say, here's what I need to happen. And this is how I'm going to let, I'm, this is how I'm going to achieve this goal with these new kind of guardrails so that we're not seeing it as it's not going to be as good. It's going to be, it's going to fall short. It's not going to work as good. Some of those issues are implied, right? But some of those are, we can't do anything about it. And we can't do anything about it now until, which is another part of the stress, because we don't know what that until is. So instead of all of those becoming what is, um, I don't know, uh, taking our breath away, right? That since we can't do it the way that we've always done it before, we short circuit or we stress out. And what I want to tell people is stop. Here's our new pathway. How do we make that happen? How is that new normal? Instead of falling short of what the old normal is because we can't get there. So stop. I love that. So we're creating a new experience for first year students who don't know any better. Don't keep telling them, this is how we would have done it last year, sorry. That's not gonna be helpful right even even these, go ahead as far as if students are looking for resources we don't have instead of saying no we don't have that can we identify what we do have can we start to think about ways that we can provide information resources so that students can still feel that they're having an enriching experience so i love that so how can we kind of take that step back and realize we're working within these guardrails and it is up to us, the folks on this, the leadership of the division, which the four of us are, that we also recognize and appreciate that this new normal may not meet the standard of the old normal. And that's okay. Give ourselves the permission for it to be okay. Just stop. I love that. Brian, anything you want to add to? Yeah, I would say that, uh, one of the the things I've reflected on the last couple of weeks, I was thinking about coming back to campus and how things are going to be different. And one of the challenges that I've been through over the summer is just trying from a supervisory perspective, how to learn to engage with my team differently. Um, it's not just that we're on Zoom now instead of not on Zoom, right? Like there, there are social differences that happen and things that we gain and things that we lose by being in this new way. Um, and so I've been thinking a lot about that to try to think about as the semester uh, starts up and we go into this kind of hybrid mode where we're on campus sometimes, we're off campus sometimes. I think about those, those teams that we're all a part of, whether it's in our department or things like the director's team or things like your um, subcommittees within your own department that you have formed. Um, those things are changing and I'm, I'm interested to 
learn from some of my colleagues, I think, about what's what's going to work, uh, what's going to be better. And we've really been trying to imagine um, what those could look like as opposed to just the okay, I'm going to use the word boring Zoom, right? Like we've all been on that one. Um, but um, I don't want to get locked into this feeling that I have to do this one hour Zoom with my team every you know week or day or whatever. Um, we're going to think of some better ways to engage. And I don't know what those are yet. Um, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of the folks listening are thinking about that same thing. Um, I would love for us to collectively have that conversation, even if it's, you know, informally or via email or face to face or whatever it's going to be. But um, those things that worked really well for people and that didn't work so well. Um, I think we have such a, a diverse group of learners in this division, people that engage differently and learn differently and work differently, um, that we're going to have a lot of cool ideas um, about how that could work. Awesome. So I'm going to just ask each of you sort of a round robin of question. One question is, as we look to kind of close our conversation today, and that is, if I am a staff member and I encounter a student who is in in need of of some resources um and from each of your respective areas you all have a unique position to maybe share with us what's the best way that i as a staff member can direct that student or to help make a connection for that student so brian i'm just going to go back to you if a student comes to or calls or contacts my area and they say they are having some trouble connecting with um just just connectivity issues in general um, where is a good place for me to direct that student? So they're trying to navigate um, online classes or they are trying to figure out the best way to, um, you know, just make sure that they have the resources they need to maybe be virtual in the classroom setting. Do you have just some, a recommendation that we could give to our colleagues for here's a good place to direct that student so that they can get the support they need so that they can get on on track for their their academic year to begin. Absolutely. Um, I think the it's it's a, it's a process. So one of the things that um, you know we've directed folks both on the staff side, faculty and students is is the UDIT IT Service Center. Um, but saying send a ticket in feels kind of impersonal sometimes, right? Um, and so that's one of the things we've worked on this summer is that's still really important uh, to get a request into the service center. But we have also, in conjunction with that, especially if we're working directly with students that are looking for um, assistance, is to reach out at the same time to someone. Um, and so I'll give you a great example. Early on um, in the process, and I think it was April or so, um, there were a couple of students that we became aware of that were having some trouble getting access to classes. Um, and so, we started the conversation by, yeah, let's put it in this ticket, which we need all the relevant details. But then it was a conversation between myself and some folks in a couple of the academic units. Um, one of the things that I will say that um, my IT colleagues across our campus are absolutely invested in student success. And when, when it's, uh, when we are trying to figure out some of these things, there are a large number of people that we're able to just call and talk to, to say, hey, go look in the system and see this ticket. 
let me give you some insight into what's going on here. So I think that's, for me, that's been, we've seen a lot of success there. Um, even things that are totally outside of the scope of my understanding, right? Like when we're talking about something like Isidore or um, online classes or something like that, while I may not be an expert, there are three people I can call right now and they will say, give me that student's name, give me that ticket number that you put in and we will absolutely find them and help out and figure out what's going on. So I think that's the, uh, you know, it's always kind of been that way, but I think with this distributed work that we're doing now and uh, being at home and being um, hybrid in that approach, um, I think folks have gotten a little more in tune to that and have been making sure that they pay attention to those kind of things specifically. Absolutely. I think that's a new resource that some people need to just be aware of, not only your area, but the, the amount of knowledge that you all bring and can be a resource um, for our colleagues and, and IT in general. So thank you for sharing that. Melissa, um, <laughs> so that's another, that's probably the, the conversation that everyone is having every day, whether, you know, to themselves or with others, as we've mentioned. Um, do you have just any quick resource that you can share? Where can we send students just to, um, whether it's any form of resource or, or assistance or support that they're looking for, or what are some things that we should know um, that, that each of us can carry with us day to day, that we should know where, where are our own resources? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I go back to what Chris said. I mean, some of this importance is the, is the significance of there actually being a, a person there and what are the services and knowing what, what exists or what that manifests and looks like. Um, there's a couple of things that I, I want to highlight um, in this. Um, one, there's been a collaborative effort, um, something we've actually been working on for the past year plus um, between the Dean of Students Office and Health and Wellbeing. Um, and it is a, um, we're calling it a, a practical guide to community. Basically, it is a student support resource uh, in, in the true form of a folder. Um, and that will be distributed to all faculty and staff across campus this fall, but also made electronically because as we mentioned, some people will not be coming to campus and really provides content and understanding about how to support students in the aspect or element of UD's holistic approach to well-being and, and mental health and well-being in terms of the step care model. And so it helps to guide conversation, direct um, students to appropriate resources, where to go, and we're going to be placing that electronically online so that individuals can actually then just hyperlink or click to the respective websites. Um, we are, of course, um, from the Student Support Services working group encouraging all units that are providing services to put detailed information on their websites um, which isn't always the place that we've done that in the past but to, to really detail out what services will look like um, and so to go along with that uh, at the go.udayton.edu um, backslash mental health site um, we are in the process, so it's it's not done right now at this moment, but um, by the time classes start on the 24th, having um, uh, a support page, for a page for student support in which students can use it as well as faculty, staff, parents, whatnot, but it'll be symptomatic in the sense of um, if you think about how our students think about if they have a challenge or something that they're an issue they're facing, they don't necessarily correlate it with a specific unit or department. And so they're saying, for example, I'm having trouble paying my bills or um, having enough money to pay for food. That is what it is. And so then it'll have a drop down of what are the resources that specifically on UD's campus can help 
to support and where to guide them towards. So that is something that will also be available because as we mentioned, we may not be able to walk someone over to MEC or to the counseling center or the Dean of Students office. And so we need to be able to guide them accordingly in as much of a warm and personal way that we can. So those are just a couple of um, the resources that will be helpful in being able to provide that. And then, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that because everything is so fluid and changing, um, staying current with the institution's um, COVID response information um, that is constantly being updated is so important. And so I know sometimes it's one more town hall, one more uh, email to read or something that's lengthy, but there's a lot of very valuable information and it helps because then it is accurate information that's being communicated um, to the students instead of, you know, confusing conjecture or opinion being um, put into that. Very helpful. Thank you. Very informative. And Chris, I'll give you the last Your answer may be a little more broad as the Dean of Students Office, but just what are some resources that some of our colleagues can know that the Dean of Students Office can provide um, as we're, we're so much apart and ingrained in the student experience? You know, I think one of the um, really highlights of um, what the Dean of Students Office has brought to um, the the division in the last six or seven years is it's really a, a, a really excellent place to review, to look, to um, dissect, to talk about what that issue is and to triage, to um, uh, refer out um, the, the ways that I would hope the division works is as a collective. And in that collective, we all play a role in it. We all play a, we all have a piece of that solution, of that resolution, of that support and of that challenge. So what uh, Dean of Students Office allows us to do is to, um, to review that, to figure out what's the best path forward for that particular student. Whether that is um, a quick phone call to say, hey, how are you? Or it has to be something that needs to be assessed and analyzed with the threat assessment team. I mean, it, it can go any number of ways, but because the field is changing so quickly, the, uh, the kind of the, 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 the review of it, both with risk mitigation, as well as educational intervention, is what we as a division provide and, and the Dean of Students Office is that safe place to fall. What I do love so much, not just because I occupy the office of the Dean, but what about deans are, all, the deans are there to assure that learning happens. Whether you were the Dean of Education or the Dean of Arts and Science, right, or a Dean of Students, you are assuring that the education is happening in that area and that it is in, align with our, in alignment with our mission and it's in alignment to who we say we are as an institution uh, and as a Catholic education and as a Marianist institution. So we are here to help to assure that learning is happening, whether that's in the support mechanism or whether that's the challenge, right? That you can't behave this way um, in this learning environment. So that's, that's the resource that I hope, the kind of the overall resource hope that it offers to the, to the Division of Student Development. So um, I would certainly encourage, if, if you just want to talk this through or send the student over here, um, 
we will review it, we will look at it and figure out what the next best step is. And it might not even be in the division. But it's a good place to start. Appreciate that so much. Well, I just want to take the time to thank each and every one of you for not only just committing to do this. I know we, we had to have conversation around what, what do we want to share um, with our colleagues and where are we? Are we best positioned to be able to share information? So your commitment to um, not only this conversation, but to our division, to our students, to our university does not go unnoticed. And so I want to personally and collectively thank each and every one of you for all that you have been doing and will continue to do. And for the resources, I think as we think about some of our graduate assistants and some of our colleagues who are rejoining us in this past week or two, a lot of these conversations, a lot of us will be playing catch up and trying to, to understand um, the new state of the University of Dayton and doing that in a way that also simultaneously requires us to be present for our students in fall arrival and in the, the onset of the fall. 2020. Um, and so again, thank you for the refreshing and insightful conversation today. I um, hope that we can as well as a division support you in the ways that you continue to lead and individually and, and within your areas. So have a great afternoon. And to our listeners, we hope that you will tune in for our next session with the Diversity Action Team. We will uh, touch on the, the subject of trauma stewardship. And so that will take a, an opportunity for us to look at how each of us have lived with and are coping with um, the ways in which not only COVID-19 has impacted our society, um, but the ugly unveiling of racism in our society and many other complex things that each and every one of us are becoming more increasingly aware of and, and are working through in our lives. And so please join us. We will be in touch with a future date for that posting. And we thank each of you for your time. Have a great afternoon. Thank you. Thank you.